0: Welcome to the Grace Fellowship Church of Effort a podcast. Our desire is to help you grow in your journey with Jesus, no matter where you are. For more information, please check out our website at www.gfchurch.net. We are gonna be, for the next few weeks, spending some time talking about something very important. It is something called truth. The reason for me taking us this route, back when I was praying through what we should be talking or what I should be teaching about this upcoming year, back last November, uh, it came to my attention just how much of what we talk about, our views on things, uh, our opinions are all based on snippets of what we think to be true and we base it completely on what we hear or maybe the voices that we hear that we agree with and so on and so forth. I've talked a lot about this as time uh, has progressed in some of the sermons that we've had in the past, but I really want to focus on this because this is crucial right now. More than ever, it is crucial right now. I'll give you a story. There were two people. They had an altercation Uh, a disagreement, and uh, they were not coming to peace with one another with a solution. And so they came up with an idea. What we need to do is we need to go to a judge to be the one to rule, you know, in favor of whoever is right in this case. So they find a judge who takes on their case... And uh, the plaintiff uh, comes to in front of the judge and says, oh, judge, and for the next hour goes on and on and on and spells out the facts, spells out his opinions, spells out his beliefs of what has been done against him. And he spells it all out and he's, you know, sweating and just all into it and all of this. And he gets to the end of it and concludes his case and the judge looks at him and says, yeah, you're right, you are absolutely right. Well, the defendant says, "Hey, hey, 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 hey! Hold on, you haven't heard my case." So the defendant, not to you know, not to be outdone, decides that he will go on his tangent about his facts, his truth, his you know, his viewpoint, his experience, and so he, for the next hour and a half, goes on and on and on, and dramatic and sweating and breathing and pounding on things and spells out his case to this judge. And he gets to the end of it, and he says, I've concluded. And the judge looks at him and says, you know what? That's right. You are dead right. You are 100% right. Now, the clerk of the court is in there, and the clerk says, oh, hold on, judge. Hold on. You cannot say that. You said that the plaintiff was right. Now you're saying the defendant is right. You cannot have two people saying they're right at the same time. And the judge looks at the clerk and says, you know what? you are absolutely right. (laughs) And as much as I tell that story and we get some humor out of it, that's the state of our world right now. Everyone's right. This is a little something that I refer to called postmodernism, where everybody is right, and we're going to touch on that a little bit today. But as Christians, we need to understand what truth is compared to what a fact is. I am not considering myself this morning the intellectual, okay? I'm not, okay? I've tried reading some pretty heavy books, you know, getting into Plato and all this stuff. And the only Plato I like is the stuff you play with. Um, I I, I just, my brain is not wired for philosophy. I got a C on it at LBC, so there it is. I laid it out, okay? Uh, But, 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 but we need to at least try to have some understanding of how we figure out what truth is. And I'll tell you why. Many of the things that we've disagreed with, uh, with each other even, over the last five, ten years, different positions, whether it's a political issue or a cultural issue or this, many of these things we disagree with because we are basing our truth on facts. But we haven't really resolved what truth is. And even as Christians, we can sometimes be distracted by the facts than to actually get down to the real root of it, which is the truth. What is the truth that I believe? What is the truth I believe? Throughout human history, we have seen this happen before. When people decide to do what is right in their own eyes and come up with their own truth. And they do not spend any time rooting themselves in truth. I'm not running away. Um, so, what we have a little bit of today, if everyone's having a hard time being happy, this will help. We have truth that works as a, a, an anchor. It weighs us down. And it holds us, it grounds us that I can come up here, And I can hit these things around and, you know, blow on them. But it stays. It always comes back to where it's supposed to be. In our culture and in our world today, we have a different approach. There's a fast food restaurant called Burger King. And their motto right now is, kids, anyone? Have it your way. BK, have it your way. And this is how people are living their life. And what happens is when all of us have our own way, Bob, I'll figure this out later. (laughs) This is what happens. We float away. We don't have anything. This now, if I was to be able to get up there and blow on this, it's going to go whatever direction that it wants to. It's tossed back and forth, the scripture tells us. And so, this is how many people are living that they aren't anchored to anything, or maybe they're anchored to the wrong thing, but they're being blown around by anything. They're having it their way and living life the way that they want. And anytime this happens throughout human history, the result has been violence, it has been the death of human rights, it has been suffering, it has been the devaluation of human beings. Every time we've gotten away from the truth or what should be the truth. It's not the first time in history. Not at all. Now, as Christians, it is important for us to know what truth is. And I think many of us would say, well, I know what truth is and I know where to find it. Well, then today will be a refresher for you. But I'm going to push on you too. Because here's why. Each of you live out of your own truth every day. Every single one of us lives out of what we consider true every day. You associate with groups that you believe are truth groups and you disassociate from ones that you see as non-truth groups. Not only that, you read news sources, opinions that you agree with. And all the others you cast out. Why? Because that's your truth. You want to hear your truth. Your view on crime. Homelessness, greed, human trafficking, poverty, abortion, all of that comes based out of your truth. You live it out every day. You often will quote facts from people, from authors, from columnists, from philosophers, you name it, from pastors who support your position of what you believe to be true. So don't say I'm not interested in truth or truth doesn't really affect me or I have the same truth as everyone in this room. We have some key things here, but there are some areas I know in here that we differ. We differ. We live out our truth. Now, before we get into the Word, I want to say one quick thing to our students in here, those that are in college, those that are in school. I need to say this, and I have to say this carefully as one who has academics in my family. Uh, My brothers both are teaching at university. If you are especially in public school, I need you to understand something that you very well may have teachers that are teaching from a different truth than what your parents and your church have raised you. Now, this is not permission for you to say, I don't have to listen to you. My pastor says it. I am not going to take those calls, okay? Okay. But I need to tell you this. It is good to learn what other people who do not have a basis in God and God's word believe so that we can understand them, so we can communicate with them. It is good for that. Even I have had classes where evolution was taught in my college level and I was able to understand what the teacher's opinion was and where it came from, the truth that they had, even though I differed. And so as a result, I could have an intellectual conversation about why I was different and I could quote back every reasoning and rationale of what they had. I say it for you students for this. Be careful what you just immediately accept to be true. True. Your parents' responsibility, first and foremost, not the church, the parents' responsibility is for the spiritual training and upbringing of you, to teach you what is truth. The church helps with that. Listen to your parents, and I'm not saying that because I have kids. This is not a lecture for my kids. This is for all. This is for college age, too, because we have so many that are like, live your own truth. Figure out whatever you want, and that's good for you. So my main point this morning is this. That truth anchors us through uncertainty. Truth anchors us through uncertainty. Just like these are anchored. I was going to cut a second one, but I can make Tyler do this. Nothing. Nothing. Um, This is anchored, okay? These are not going to go anywhere unless I remove the anchor. And then as we've seen, it will just float away. And over time, the gas slowly leaks out and it just gets blown whichever way. And then eventually it's on the ground. Truth anchors us in times of uncertainty. How many believe that we're in uncertain times? Yeah, okay, I think so, yeah. Uncertain times. And this is why this is so important for us as Christians. It's nothing new. There's questions about truth all the way back in the Scripture. If you look at John chapter 18, verses 37 and 38 this morning, Jesus is on trial. He's before Pilate, a well-educated governor of Rome. And as he's being tried for uh, what the Jewish leaders have brought him forward to, they have this wonderful dialogue back and forth, which is one of the most profound dialogues you see. It's like this amazing debate between them. And in verse 37, it says, Then Pilate says to Jesus, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness to the truth, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate asked a question that people still are asking today. What is truth? What is truth? What is really true and why is it even important, I would add, today? Jesus says this, you know what, the purpose I was born and the purpose I have come into this world is to bear witness, to testify about what truth is. Everyone who is of the truth hears me. My sheep hear my voice, and they know me. When Jesus spoke truth, we understand it. Thanks to the Holy Spirit, we can understand and find truth. He guides us into all truth, the Bible tells us. We can know truth because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through God's word. And Jesus says, this is the purpose here. This is why we're having this dialogue. And Jesus, when he says this, Pilate, the well-educated, the powerful, the Roman, looks at him and says what is truth and he wasn't actually asking that question to get an answer because he had just had that answer given to him he says it antagonistically cynically Pilate probably would have been a better example of an agnostic person than an atheist can truth really even be known jesus really can anyone even know anything is true and so Pilate is dismissive of Jesus. Anything Jesus would have said after that, Pilate probably would have just dismissed because he already knew. In his opinion, you can't really know it's true. Does anyone really know it's true? So whatever. Culturally, many of us in this room are confused by things that we see going on in our world. And the reason that we're so confused, because it seems so ridiculous things that people are saying are true right now, It's because we come from a different basis of truth. Because of that, because of what we root, what we believe to be true in our life, we look at people who do not share that and we are like, what on earth? How on earth can they even believe this stuff? And it's self-explanatory. We are people of the truth. Jesus is truth. And since they do not share that basis, they're going to drift. They're going to have ideas that we look at and say, that isn't even common sense. That is crazy. But it should not be a surprise to us. It's happened all throughout history, even in the day of Jesus and Pilate. This morning... I have four things that i want to talk about, truth about truth. And number one is this, that truth must be defined. And I'm going to give you a definition in just a second. Truth must be defined. If we do not, or if we're afraid to get, you know, very, very, very practical, black and white, what is truth and all this? This is a debated question. You go off to Harvard, Yale, or even, you know, uh, Penn State, I'm sure, in a philosophy class, this would be one of the big questions that they would argue and all of that. Truth has to have a definition, or there isn't really anything as truth. And so a simple definition I want to put out there this morning is this, that truth is an absolute standard by which reality is measured. Truth is an absolute standard by which reality is measured. Absolute means it doesn't break. It doesn't change. Very little changes about it. Our understanding of it can change, but it still stands on its own two feet. And it's what measures what is real and what is not. This is why God has given us things such as science, such as logic, such as uh, uh, psychology to understand how God works. Science, we have the tools today to go out. We can learn things about our earth. We can learn things about what's all around us. We can learn about this thing called gravity, you know, That worked. You know, a guy sitting underneath an apple tree, an apple hits him in the head, and he discovers how God does something. And gravity is something that I don't care how good of a high jump you have, okay? I don't care. You cannot beat it. It will always win, always, okay? Gravity is one of those things that we would say is an absolute standard by which reality is measured because I can't break it unless I get out of this atmosphere, and then we have a whole different thing. But that has its own science. These are the ways that we figure out how God works. Logic, that's another one. Last time I checked, one plus one still equaled? two. Thank you. Okay, kids are back to school. I needed to see if they were going to answer that. One plus one equals two. I have one thing, I add another. Two. Wow, isn't it that easy? Isn't it interesting that over the last two years I have seen discussion within some of the stuff going on in our world that they're trying to say, no, that's not true. One plus one can equal whatever you want it to be. And when we have now moved away from something that just makes sense, then there is no truth. Truth is whatever you want it to be. Go find it. Have it your way. Truth is an absolute standard. You know, it's interesting. I read 1984 in the year 2020. Probably a bad year to read 1984 because it's about a dystopian future. But that's one of the key things that the government in 1984, this dystopian world, tried to change is that one plus one is not two. And now we see it being lived out. I saw a shirt that said, "Make uh, uh, what is it, George Orwell uh, fiction again or something. So uh, I think I need that shirt. Anyway, moving on with this. What is truth? Truth must be defined. We see it as an absolute standard. Now, we're going to move into another verse here in a bit, but this is important for us, again, as we try to understand this question of what is truth that Pilate made a snide remark about. We have to understand a couple ways that people view truth differently. And I'm going to use this with an absurd illustration, but I have a reason why I use absurd illustrations, because you'll remember it. Okay? Is... A hot dog a sandwich. Is a hot dog a sandwich? This is, this is a debate that is out there because people have nothing better to do. So now that you're thinking about it, I am going to approach this from four different ways that people see truth. Okay? The first of these is called relativism. Relativism says what I feel and believe is true. A relativist, it changes, it's subjective, truth can change all the time with different people, different times, says I feel or think that it is a sandwich, so it is. My gut tells me that that is a sandwich, therefore let's not stereotype what a sandwich is. It's a sandwich. This is probably the most common thing. This would be post-modernity where people can believe whatever you want and that's true and don't you dare tell them that that isn't true because it is to them. It's not really a lie if you believe it. The second way of looking at truth is this. Objectivism. Objectivism. Which says uh, what is provable... Uh, Or, what is, is true. What is provable is true. I can do a scientific experiment to prove this. And so, my scientific experiment for this is that meat between bread, by definition, is a sandwich. I can prove it. I see meat, I see bread. Good enough for me. I don't care if it's a challah roll, I don't care if it's a hot dog roll, I don't care if it's a piece of bread. Therefore, what is, is, and that is a sandwich. Okay. This is objectivism. These are people that are concrete, dead set, it has to be provable, etc. This is where most of your Darwinists and most of your evolution people will be. Uh, one guy that I have read and heard a lot about is a guy named Gad Sad. He has a book out uh, uh, that talks about the parasitic mind. It's a very interesting read. But he says the reason he can never believe in God is because scientifically it is not provable to him. And if it is not scientifically provable to him, he will not believe it. And I appreciate his honesty, but he would be an objectivist. Third one is this, pragmatism. Pragmatism is what works is what truth is. If it works, it's good. That sounds good. The majority of people are okay with this. We've surveyed them that a hot dog is a sandwich. Therefore, it must be a sandwich. Because everyone seems to be okay with that. This is the person that's just looking for the solution for the majority. And this is pragmatism. The last one is rationalism. And rationalism is what I can reason, what I can think, what I can use my brain to logically deduce to an answer that is true, to which I have that person thinking current scientific research on uh, what a sandwich is or what hot dogs is. And logic deduce that is a sandwich because science, I can deduce philosophy, Aristotle would have called it a sandwich. Now, I'm I'm facetious with this, and I'm being crazy with this because I need us to understand. Rather than just list these up, I want us to think of a practical example of how this is. And this helps you understand how different people view what truth is. Here's one thing I want to put out there, though, and this is number two on your sheet this morning, is this. That truth is accessible. I do believe that truth is knowable. If it is not knowable, anyone can do whatever they want, and that's just how it is. We live in anarchy, lawlessness. Truth is accessible. God, I don't believe, created truth to confuse us. Rather, He created it to anchor us. He didn't create it to confuse us. Talk a little bit more about that next week. John 17, verses 13 to 17, we're going to look at, and I'll have it up here on the screen. John 17, this is the chapter before Pilate asks, What is truth? Well, Jesus in his prayer for his disciples tells us what truth is. Jesus in the middle of his prayer for his disciples says this, But now, Father, I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy filled in themselves. I have given them what? your word. I have given them your word and as a result, the world has hated them because they are not of this world just as I'm not of this world. I do not ask that you take them out of this world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify, set them apart in the truth and what is that truth? Your word is truth. There's a couple of things I want to observe out of this. Uh, Jesus says, you know what, I've given them your word, God. I've given them your word. And they believed it, and the disciples have obeyed it. We live it, we obey it. And what was the result? The result is they are what? Hated. I don't know if you've ever felt this way as a Christian before, but and I don't even know if you're aware of this, but... There's many of our beliefs in God's word that I don't know, it's a crazy thing. We're actually hated for. And I know you felt it. And I know I felt it. The ridicule, the mockery. Jesus just talked about this back around 33 AD. Some things never change. I've given your word, and they have been hated. They've been hated. Because they're not of this world. We are not of this fleshly world. We are part of a different kingdom. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven while we are citizens here on earth. But ultimately, that is our ultimate home. Jesus says, I'm not of this world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Every parent needs to make a tough decision from time to time. One of the tough decisions, I think, for us was do we keep our kids in public school? Do we put them in Christian school? Do we do homeschool? Because it's very easy, as you know, as kids are in public school, to be exposed to thoughts, ideas, whether it's through a teacher or through a friend, that are not biblical. Jesus says something interesting here for you as you may be processing that for yourself or you hear others processing it. There needs to be some discernment in that decision for you. I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. I would say this. If we were still in Baltimore, our kids would not be in the public school system because they were pretty messed up there. They were getting really bad. Whereas here, we feel pretty good about it. Every parent has to make a decision for themselves. Jesus says this. You know what? I've given them truth. They're hated. I'm not seeking that they're taken away from the hatred, from the ridicule. They're going to hear stuff. They're going to be hated for it, and they're going to declare truth. The thing for Beth and I, I know, is we want our kids to be a little exposed while we have control over it so that we can talk to them about it while they're going through it. That we can have those conversations. If we ever viewed it that it is becoming a danger to their faith, yes. Without a doubt, we would pull them. Jesus says, I'm not going to pull them out. I'm going to leave them there. They're going to be ridiculed. And not only that, he says this. Keep them from the evil one. That's the ultimate enemy. And then in that last verse, he says, Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. God's word is truth. Jesus gives God's word. The disciples believed it and claimed it just as we do. As a result, they were set apart. They're different than the world around them. Just by nature of what we believe to be true. As a result, your word is truth. Your word is truth. Pilate wanted to know what truth is. There it is. He had the author standing right in front of him. But he still was dismissive of it. Truth is accessible. Jesus made himself accessible to us. He came and lived amongst us. He gave us the truth of God as he spent his ministry there. We have God's word. Some of us have ten of them on our shelves collecting dust. We have God's word and the Holy Spirit to aid us in understanding what truth is. We have it. In abundance but as we see in this john 17 passage here's number three truth is polarizing when i claim to have truth it is polarizing i'm going to make a controversial statement i tend to step in things and i'm going to step in it today okay the best whoopie pies in america are made in the state of maine I have my bag from Wicked Whoopies up in Freeport from our vacation. I'm saying that on purpose. That's not actually my opinion, by the way. So when I say a statement like that, those of you that make whoopie pies, number one, you're like, well, I know someone who's never going to get a whoopie pie again from me. (laughs) Some of you are, really, New England? That's like, you know, saying that you can make good hot sauce in New York City. New York City? Um... Uh, you get it. I have now polarized, I have now separated myself from somebody because I have made a claim of what I believe to be true. And I've separated a group because I've made a statement of truth. When I declare the Bible, when I declare God's truth, it is polarizing. And as believers, we can't be surprised by that. There is a way that we communicate that truth. The Bible tells us to communicate truth in love not to communicate it in an argumentative, angry, spiteful way, which I'm afraid that we have fallen for because we are in the age of debate and opinion. And it seems that the only way that you can have a conversation with somebody is to be nasty. And I don't remember Jesus being nasty. Truth is polarizing. Students, you're going to be in school. If you actually choose to stand up and say, I am a believer, I believe in Jesus, I believe his word to be truth, If you're going to do that in your high school, if you're going to do that in your middle school, your elementary school, there are going to be people that look at you and say, you're weird. I don't want anything to do with you. And as much as that stinks, it's not a surprise. Jesus said this would happen. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You're going to be different. When you say, I believe in God's Word, and it's going to polarize, you're going to see the ones who genuinely are open to God's Word, and you're going to see the ones that support you, and you're going to see the ones that want nothing to do with you, your mission field, by the way. If someone makes a statement of truth, it better be grounded on something, and God's Word is that anchor that holds us to it. Christians, I want to say this. All of you that are Christians in here, we must have an unwavering commitment to the truth. I know many people read that and are like, yeah, know that. Duh. Unwavering commitment regardless of what pressures are put upon us. Unwavering in whatever the common thoughts are of the day. You look back at all of the churches that Paul writes to. And they were in a a secular society with idol worship and horrible things going on. Rome itself had no regard for human life. One of the things that's been recorded by historians is if people did not want their baby they would go leave it along the river and walk away and it would die they were inhumane and then it was christians that believed every life is a gift from god that would go down to the river would collect these babies as their own children and adopt them there was something radically different they had an unwavering commitment to the truth regardless of what the culture said around them nothing broke them nothing But lastly, this, point forward this morning is this. Truth has an author. In order to know something is true, I want the person that is the best source of finding out what is true. I want someone who I know is a truthful person. And frankly, there is no one better than God himself, who is the embodiment of truth. There is no words that come out of the mouth of God. There is no half-truths, no white lies, it is all true, and it seems to me he might be the guy that I want to trust to be the author of what is right and what is wrong, what is real, what is the absolute standard of truth. He's the best one to trust. Three verses that point this out. John 14, 6. Memorize this all the way back in a while when I was a kid. Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth i am the life no one comes to the father except through me jesus says i am the truth the words coming out of my mouth is truth you can trust them jesus wasn't like some of us are we oh you look great today oh my word what are they wearing today jesus was not a half-truth person his words were truth he says you want truth you listen to me you want truth you open god's word it's from him another verse It talks about it. Uh, Hebrews 6.18. It is impossible for God to lie. Impossible. Why? It's not a part of his nature. His nature is truth. It's impossible for him to lie. Third verse, Romans 3.4 says, Let God be true, though everyone were a what? Let God be truth, because everyone else is a liar. Everyone else is a liar. The most truthful person on earth still has a propensity for lying, still lets one slide out every once in a while. Even honest Abe Lincoln had a propensity to lie because he has a sin nature. God has no sin nature. If it's God's word, it tells you about who the author is, the source of truth, the expert and the author. There's two reasons that humans can't determine what truth is. Or we are gonna be extremely limited. And that's this. Two reasons. One, we are sinful, which distorts our view of what truth is. As soon as I am a sinner, which is from time of birth, as soon as I start sinning, I have a distorted reality of what truth is. I can never be completely honest. And then secondly, we're limited. We're limited. Elon Musk is like supposedly working on this thing that like you can put these like diodes on a person's head and they can learn things like this. It's like this computerized thing that's going to make us all super intelligent. Even if that worked, even if you downloaded into my brain using technology the entire library of Congress in my brain, I am still limited in my understanding of the world. All the information in the world can be in my head, and that doesn't mean I know everything. I'm limited. I'm limited. And so we're limited in understanding what truth is apart from God. Humans try. They come up with theories. They come up with ideas. Meat is bad for you. No, meat's good for you. Coffee, it's horrible for you. Don't do that. Oh, no, actually, it's good. No, it's bad again. We are limited in what we know. We constantly are fluctuating as human beings, and that's why we have an absolute standard Absolute standard in God's Word. So, as we wrap up, as we start this series talking about truth and lies, I want to say a couple things. One, don't confuse facts with truth. Don't confuse facts with truth. A lot of us are obsessed with facts. Well, facts say this. And we make those facts our truth. Fact, this is a fact. Okay? It's a piece of part of what may be true, but it is not the complete cute little koala picture, okay? Facts are this. Truth is what underlies what facts are built upon. Facts tell us about something much deeper. I have a headache, we'll say today. A really bad headache. So I go to CVS, I get my Advil, and I take my Advil, and it's just not shaking it. And and so I, I get a prescription for maybe something a little stronger, and, and the headache just will not go away, no matter what I try. That's a fact. I have a headache. And then I go to the doctor. And the doctor does a scan on my head and says, You have a tumor. See, the fact was I had a headache. The truth is I have something much more severe. We are obsessed with the fruit. Most of the stuff that we complain about, about some of the cultural stuff, is the fruit. We're not dealing with the root. And the root is what is truth. God's word is truth. Most of what we see going on in the world, people determining truth based on what they feel or whatever, is dealing with facts in the moment, not dealing with truth. Truth gives meaning to facts in their life. I have a challenge for you this week. Even as believers, we sometimes believe facts over truth that are not grounded in God's word at all. This week, I want to challenge you to dedicate yourself to knowing God's truth. You may say, I'm already doing that. I'm reading my quiet time. You may say, I've read through the Bible this year three times, okay? That's knowing some stuff about God's truth, and that's knowing it here. But that up here doesn't necessarily equate to living that out. It doesn't equate to what I base my life on, how I view humans, how I serve the Lord, how I view the church. All of that, we must have a dedication to God's truth no matter what. We are people of the truth. Jesus said back in John 17 that the people of the truth know his voice. We know his voice because of the Holy Spirit's work in us. We must dedicate ourselves. Yes, you kids in here too. Dedicate ourselves. God's word is the standard. There's a reason this book does not go away. Shakespeare fades. Thank goodness. It was my worst class in college. Other books fade. Philosophies, they get disproven. Theories. There's... Some current interesting stuff developing with the theory of evolution where more and more are beginning to abandon it because it's not holding water with some of the evidence of what they're finding right now. Theories pass. Philosophies pass. But God's Word endures forever. Dedicate ourselves to that as we walk into this series that that is going to be the core of what your truth is that keeps you anchored. Let's pray. Father, I know this is one of those big sort of brain exercise uh, things about what truth is, yet you want it to be accessible. I'm thankful that your word is truth. I'm thankful that it is an absolute standard that I can measure reality of what is going on around us with. Lord, I thank you for giving it to us and that we can know you, that we can learn about you, that we can discern what is true, what is right, what we should do in the moment, how we should view our fellow human beings how we should view moral issues, it's all there. And Father, I ask, as we start walking into this, as we start thinking about the ways that maybe we've made facts, truth, just like the world around us that we condemn, help us to discern what is my truth? Why do I see people around me the way that I do? Why do I think this way about uh, just... uh, Common cultural beliefs. Why do I look so negatively or positively upon them? What voices am I listening to? God, help us to be discerners of truth. May your word take root in us. May it grow. Lord, make us people of truth despite the hatred, the vitriol. Lord, it's your truth that will sanctify us and set us apart from the world around us. And Lord, may we do it because Your truth. Even when it's inconvenient and uncomfortable, Your truth. So God, take us from here. Help us to see our world maybe in a little different light, to understand people who don't hold to you in a different way, that we could be effective witnesses and making disciples, as you've called all of us to, that we would be effective in it. In your name, amen. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can send your prayer requests into prayer at gfchurch.net and we will pray for you. If you like this message, don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app, Google or Spotify. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to seeing you next week.